Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood zero zero two at gmail dot com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List twenty twenty at gmail dot com. Good evening everyone and welcome to our Wednesday evening podcast. We're glad that you're joining us tonight. Tonight we've got a little different kind of message from Jeremiah because he's going to be looking at the Sabbath and Judea's failure to keep the Sabbath, we're going to be reading from Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 19 through 27. So if you'd like to turn there with us, Keeping the Sabbath is the name of the uh, podcast tonight, the name of my lesson. And uh, uh, we'll begin reading now with the 19th verse of Jeremiah chapter 17. This is what the Lord said to me, go and stand at the people's gate through which the king of Judah enter, uh, kings of Judah enter and leave, as well as at the gate, uh, all the gates of Jerusalem. Announce to them, hear the word of the Lord, kings of Judah, all Judea, and all the residents of Jerusalem who enter through these gates. This is what the Lord says, watch yourselves, do not pick up a load and bring it in through the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. You must not carry a load out of your houses on the Sabbath day or do any work, but you must consecrate the Sabbath day just as I commanded your ancestors. They would, wouldn't listen or pay attention, but became obstinate, not listening or accepting discipline. However, if you listen to me, says the Lord, and do not bring loads through the gate of the city on the Sabbath day and consecrate the Sabbath day and do no work on it, kings and princes will enter through the gates of this city. They will sit on the throne of David riding in chariots and on horses with their officials, the men of Judea and the residents of Jerusalem. This city will be inhabited forever. Then people will come from the cities of Judea and from the area around Jerusalem, from the land of Benjamin and from the Judean foothills, from the hill country and from the Negev, bringing gifts, offering, and sacrifice, grain offerings and frankincense, and thank offerings to the house of the Lord. If you do not listen to me, to consecrate the Sabbath day by not carrying a load while entering the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. I will set fire to its gates, and it will consume the citadels of Jerusalem and not be extinguished. Father, we thank you today for the reading of your word. Help us today as we unpack this, that we might be able to glean information that would be helpful for us today as we think about the day of worship, the day that's to be consecrated to you. 
And I pray your blessings on all those that are listening. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You remember disaster movies such as Independence Day, Deep Impact, and The Day After Tomorrow, things like that. They like to use special effects to show the Statue of Liberty being destroyed. It's a shorthand way of symbolizing the destruction of America. For the people of Jeremiah's time, the gates of Jerusalem had a similar importance. To speak of their destruction, setting fire to the gates, as God talked about here, was a shorthand way of symbolizing the end of the nation. To deliver such a message while standing at the gate of the people was a powerful thing to do. And that's what Jeremiah did here in verses 19 and 20. In chapter 17, verse 24, God had said, Consecrate the Sabbath day and do no work on it. Today's reading focuses on one of Judah's sins, breaking the Sabbath, the fourth of the Ten Commandments. This is found in verses 21 and 22, and it was given in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. This commandment intertwines rest, not laboring, consecration, keeping the holy day, and following God's example of resting on the seventh day of creation. Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3 tells us about that. Historically, the Jews had often disobeyed this command, verse 23 tells us, and the people of Judah then were no different from any of the other nations. Two conditions follow. If people obey and keep the Sabbath, God will bless them, verses 24 through 26. The Davidic line of kings will continue. The city of Jerusalem will be inhabited forever. Solomon's temple will endure, and the people will continue to worship there. But if the people disobey and break the Sabbath, as was happening before Jeremiah's eyes, God will kindle an unquenchable fire in the gates of Jerusalem, verse 27 says. The contrast and what's at stake couldn't have been more clear. Interestingly, in his day, Jesus condemned the Pharisees on the issue of Sabbath-keeping as well. On the service, they kept it through a long list of regulations. We'll look at some of those tonight. But when they criticized him for healing on the Sabbath, Jesus called them out for their hypocrisy. They had lost sight of God's purpose for this command. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 9, it says, Moving on from there, he, meaning Jesus, entered their synagogue. There he saw a man who had a paralyzed hand, and in order to accuse him, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But he said to them, What man among you, if he had a sheep, that fell into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't take hold of it and lift it out. A man is worth far more than a sheep. So it is lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. 
Then he told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was restored as good as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. While Christians differ in their practice of worship and days of worship, the principle of rest is still God's design for us today. We celebrate Sunday because Jesus was resurrected on the first day of the week. We're going to be looking at how we can honor the Lord and his day as we look at the rest of this particular message. Tonight I hope to give some background information on the origin and purpose of both Sabbath and Lord's Day and to show how both have been corrupted by Jews and Christians alike and then hopefully give some scriptural principles that we can apply when it comes to the Lord's Day. The keeping of the Sabbath wasn't just given by God as a commandment, but he communicated the need for us, for people, to observe the Sabbath by his example when he created the world. When we study the creation account in Genesis, it says God created for six days and then he rested on the seventh. He stopped creating. Why did he do that? Was he tired? <laughs> no, of course not. Psalm 121 tells us that God never slumbers nor sleeps. God didn't need to take a rest, but he gave himself as an example for us to follow because he knows that we need a break. We need rest once a week and at other times as well. In Exodus 16, when God provided Israel with the manna while they were in the wilderness journey, they were told to gather enough on the sixth day so that they wouldn't have to go out and gather anything on the Sabbath. If they had done this any other day, it would have rotted and spoiled and not been any good. So even prior to giving the Ten Commandments, God was saying that the purpose of the Sabbath was to give everyone a day of rest and worship. So before the law was given, as well as after, the Old Testament believers had several reasons to keep the Sabbath. The main one was that it was to be an act of obedience because the world uh, this would be a test of whether or not they were willing to be obedient to God. And if they were, God promised certain blessings. And if they refused, he warned them he would affect them with specific punishments. As we read in our text a moment ago in verse 27. We also understand that the Sabbath was given for man's benefit. Jesus tells us this in the Gospels. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he says the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. God created us with a need to take a break from our routines. Even sociologists tell us that reasonably spaced time off from work increases productivity. They tell us after 40 hours of work, 
concentration drops, mistakes increase, and morale suffers. The Sabbath was a time for an individual to not only rest but have corporate worship. It was a time for everyone to get their eyes off the physical world and to get themselves focused on the eternal things. The Sabbath was a convenient symbol for the Jewish people. They were to be different from the world around them. And keeping the Sabbath was the evidence that they were. And basically, by doing this, they were saying their devotion to God was more important than their business or their harvest fields or anything else because the day was set aside for God and they didn't do these other things. So does the idea of Sabbath sound good to you? Well, there were plenty of benefits, but there were also a few verses that told them what they couldn't do on the Sabbath. Let's notice a few of these. Exodus 16, verse 29 says, Understand that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he will give you two days' worth of bread. Each of you stay where you are. And no one is to leave his place on the seventh day. This was while they were in the wilderness journey, remember? Everyone was to stay home on the seventh day. Exodus 16, verse 23, he told them, This is the, what the Lord says. Tomorrow is a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil and set aside everything left over to be kept until morning. In other words, no cooking. And then in chapter 20, verse 10 of Exodus, But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your sons, or daughters, or male or female slaves, your livestock, or the foreigner who is within your gates. So no working at all on the Sabbath day. Exodus 35, verses 1 through 3, it says, Moses assembled the entire Israelite community and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days, work is to be done. But on the seventh day, you're to have a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest to the Lord. Anyone who does not work on it, Anyone who does work on it must be executed. Do not light a fire in any of your homes on the Sabbath day. And then in Jeremiah 17, 27, where we read a, a moment ago in our text, he says, If you do not listen to me to consecrate the Sabbath day by not carrying a load while entering the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, I will set fire to this to its gates, and it will be uh, it will consume the citadels of Jerusalem and not be extinguished. And then in Nehemiah chapter ten, verse thirty-one, it says, "When the surrounding people bring merchandise or any kind of grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath day." 
or a holy day. We will also leave the land uncultivated in the seventh year and will cancel every debt. So there was no business to be done on the Sabbath. So you couldn't leave your home, cook anything, do any work, build a fire, carry anything anywhere. You couldn't buy or sell anything. And you couldn't go out to eat because if you did, you were making someone else work for your meal. The penalty for breaking the Sabbath was death. Did you notice that? But the Jews carried it, carried it to an extreme. We'll look at this a little more deeply in just a moment. But the Jews did take the commandment very seriously. Dr. Ken Trivett shares the following insights in his writings on the Jewish mindset, as he calls it. He said, The observance of the Sabbath was strictly observed and strictly enforced, whereas they took God's command to rest on the Sabbath seriously, but as the years passed, they added their own rules and regulations. There were approximately 1,521 things that were not permissible on the Sabbath day, he says. For example, you could not rescue a drowning person on the Sabbath. This was man's rulings now, not, not from God's word. Untying knots. If it only needed one hand to untie it, it was permissible. But if it took two hands, it was forbidden. If a man's ox fell into the ditch, he could pull it out. But if the man fell in, he had to stay there until the next day. One could take a sip of vinegar for food, but if he took a sip in order to help his aching tooth, he was breaking the Sabbath. If a man was bitten by a flea on the Sabbath, he had to allow that flea to keep on biting him. If he tried to stop the flea from biting or he killed it, he was guilty of hunting on the Sabbath, the rule said. Through the years, they have been, there have been those who observed the Sabbath or even Sunday in a very strict manner. Some people would not sweep or dust their houses, make their beds, or allow any food to be cooked on the Lord's Day. Some of the restrictions that have been observed and enforced concerning the Lord's Day are somewhat humorous. In Scotland, in the 17th century, one poor fellow was hauled into court for smiling on the Sabbath. Some things could be done and some things could not be done you were to rest that was one of the things the Bible tells people that they were to do on the Sabbath your avoidance of any kind of sin or of causing anyone else to sin was something that they were to observe you were to rest and 
in Exodus 31, it says it was a, to be a complete rest on verse 15. No work except you could pull an ox out of a ditch. Remember that verse of Scripture? Third, you were to celebrate the fact that God had made a covenant with, with, with Israel. And this meant that you were to spend the day thanking Him that He had given you a holy day of rest and the righteous standard that you had to live by. Observing was a sign of the covenant. It was a memorial to God and demonstrated submission and obedience. And then fourth, when observing the Sabbath day, they were to divide in the Lord. Isaiah 58 verse 14 says, Then you will delight yourself in the Lord, and I will make you ride over the heights of the land and let you enjoy the heritage of your father Jacob. For this month, uh, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. But these people were so preoccupied with the concept of the Sabbath that they forgot to do the one thing that the day was set aside for. And that was to worship God. The Sabbath wasn't just the absence of work, but there had to be the presence of worship. It was a holy day, a day set apart for all them to observe and worship. We worship on Sunday today, the first day of the week, the Lord's Day, based on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. He first appeared to Mary Magdalene and the other disciples on Sunday, the first day of the week, John chapter 20 tells us. The Holy Spirit came on Sunday, Acts chapter 1 verse 1 tells us. It's a pattern we see develop in the New Testament. They began worshiping on Sunday. Acts 15, there's no mention of the Sabbath in the great debate that took place in Jerusalem. And then in Acts 20, Christians of Troas were meeting on the first day of the week. And then in 1 Corinthians 16, the Apostle Paul tells believers that they were to gather together an offering for the, uh, the famine relief of the Jerusalem saints on Sunday. Then in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet, John says. So the Lord spoke to John on the first day of the week to give him the revelation. And then on the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and save it in keeping with how he prospered. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 1. In other words, a percentage offering was to be given on the Lord uh, to the Lord on the first day of the week. Again, the New Testament pattern that we're seeing develop. There wasn't universal acceptance of 
Sunday as the day of worship until the third and fourth century. But eventually it became the day of worship. And most all Christians accepted the first day of the week as the day that they were to meet together and worship. We have at times been just as legalistic as some of the Pharisees were in using the first day of the week or the Lord's day as something that was more than what God gave it for. For instance, in the past, you found that people didn't play any kind of sports. You couldn't go shopping because there were no stores open. And not only that, but the stores closed their windows so that people couldn't window shop on Sundays either. People took it to an extreme, more than what God was giving. As a matter of fact, they weren't, there weren't even any gas stations open on Sundays. Now, I don't remember that, but maybe you do. And if you wanted to drive around anywhere, you either had to get gas on Saturday or you stayed home. These were rules that were made by man, not by God, just like the Jews had done for Sabbath keeping. So the purpose of the Lord's Day is to worship. If we spend our time in worshiping, there are certain things we won't, uh, won't have time to do. But we also have to remember this doesn't give us the right to draw up a list of rules or impose our standards on everyone else. God doesn't tell us what we can or can't do in this instance. But we do have some examples of the early churches of what we ought to do. And as they gather together, we see them repeatedly doing a few things. First, studying the scriptures. We have the responsibility to come together to hear the preaching and teaching of the word. Secondly, we get together to pray. It was a time when both individuals prayed and they had corporate prayer. And they prayed for others. And others prayed for them. That's why we remind ourselves as we have our prayer time of maybe the missionaries that are serving around the world. We announce who's in the hospital or what needs they might have. And then mention, mention any specific needs that people might have in the congregation. These are prayer concerns and not just community announcements. And then third, they came together for fellowship. It's hard for us to understand what was really going on with this because in that first century church, being a member of that church meant for the first time many of them experienced a world where there were no social barriers. There could be Romans and Jews worshiping together or slaves and free people might be in the same congregation. 
And it could be, and it was and on many occasions, a slave was called to preach. And those who owned that slave might sit and enjoy the message and afterward everyone sit around the same table and enjoy fellowship together. We don't understand this so much today, but people who were divided by money, position, race, or gender all could come together in the church and have fellowship together one with another. It was important for the early church to meet together on Sunday. And it's just as important for us today. Sunday is the Lord's Day, like I've mentioned several times in this message. And by claiming one day out of seven, God is telling us that all of our time belongs to Him. And how we use this one day tells the rest of the world who we are and what we're all about. Father, I pray that your blessings would be upon this message tonight. Help us that we'll consecrate the Lord's day and that we'll worship and study your word and pray and have the fellowship that we need to have on that day as you designed it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.